happen, generally speaking, then we will be over in Deuteronomy chapter 30 to, uh, for the main portion of the sermon this morning. Now, over the last, I guess about several weeks ago, maybe five or six weeks ago, uh, we preached a sermon and we learned about the exceeding greatness of God's power towards those who believe. Uh, that exceeding greatness of God's power was the highest level of power that God has exercised in past or present. The same power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead and to exalt him to the right hand of the Father and to put all things in subjection to him and put him over the head of the church. That same power is exercised towards us who believe when we believe. In the following week, we examined the scripture and we learned that the power of God to those who believe it is rooted in obedience. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, it truly is rooted in the obedience of a believer. A believer, and it's, it's, um, it's rooted in the obedience to the Word of God. In order for us to experience that power of God, we must do what He says. We can't expect the power of God to be present in our lives if we choose to be disobedient to His Word. Now, the last two weeks we've learned... You know, what it means to please God. And we've kind of broken that down because the scripture revealed to us that it is impossible to please him outside of faith. It is absolutely impossible for us to please God outside of faith. So therefore, we needed to learn what faith really is. And in the light of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and in verse 6, we come to the conclusion that it is simply understanding that God has spoken. God has revealed his word to us. He has given us instruction. And when we believe what he says to be true, we are obedient to him and trusting in his results. Basically, that is the life of faith of a Christian. That is living by faith, is trusting what God's word says to be true and being obedient to it and just leaning on him for the, resu- the results. Now, last week, we also we looked at the example of Noah's faith. We looked at Noah's faith simply because the generation in which he lived, the culture in which he lived, is very similar to the one in which we find ourselves today. So I thought it was important to really take a look at what a faith life would really look like in the situation that we live today. And we found that Noah was a man by faith, and he prepared an ark by faith. And we can understand and see that whenever he prepared that ark, it was pleasing to God. Why? because it was by faith that he did that. Now, what was the faith in that? Well, remember in in, um, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And what we find in verse 7, it says, by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, which was what? The judgment that was to come. That was the judgment that was being spoken of. God came to Noah and spoke to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to destroy the entire world. It's going to be covered in water. Nothing will escape. I need you to build a boat. Then he also gave Noah hope. And that if he was obedient to him and he built that ark, that it would be the salvation of him and his family. That they would be able to board the ark and escape the judgment of God by building the ark. Now, the substance of things hoped for, preparing the ark, he prepared the ark because he hoped that he and his family would be saved. He prepared the ark, which was evidence that he believed in something that had never been seen yet in the judgment of God coming by by the floodwaters. And therefore, he moved with a godly fear and prepared that 
ark. He believed the judgment was coming. He believed that his family would be saved. Therefore, he moved in obedience to God and trusted him, and he built the ark. So living by faith truly is living an obedient life to what God's word is and what it tells us. And we were also met with very with two different two-pointed questions. Because just as Noah was faced with a uh, judgment that was to come and he was given instruction concerning that judgment, we too are faced with the fact that a judgment is coming and we have been given instruction concerning that judgment. And if we are going to please God, we need to act in obedience to the instruction that we have been given. And we were left with the question, do you really want to please God? Do you really want to experience the power of God in your life? Do you really want that? And ask yourself the question, do you really want to please God? Do you really want to put a smile on his face? Do you really want, one day want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Do you want to experience the power of God and his working hand in and through your life? Do you really want that? Yes, yes, we want it. Yeah, more than anything, I want that in my, in my life. But the truth of the matter is, the truth that we really need to face this morning when it comes to pleasing God and experiencing the power of God in our lives, if the truth of the matter is, is that if we want to please God, we want to receive his rewards, and we want to experience the power, it is a choice. It is a choice. I will reveal to you one second. It's green. That's what that means go, right? There we go. All right. It is a choice that we have. And I want you to understand, pleasing God, receiving his rewards, experiencing the power of God, and living by faith is a choice. And it is set before you. It is laid before you. God has given us the freedom to make the choices that we want to make, that we are willing to make. Now, I'm going to show you a short video here this morning that will kind of lay the groundwork for the understanding of how God has created us with that freedom and that freedom to choose. Did we get it ready? No, we didn't get it ready. All right. My Internet's messed up. Okay. Well, it was a really good video, okay? <clears throat> That's the picture of it, yeah. If you go on YouTube and you find that picture, crossexamine.org, is God good? It's a really good, it's about a minute and a half video. It's really good stuff. But anyway, how many of y'all seen the video? Nobody. Okay, well anyway, it brings it down to the fact that we have been created with a free will. We've been created with freedom, and we have a freedom to choose whether we are obedient to God or whether we are not. In other words, God is responsible for the facts of freedom, but humans are responsible for our acts of freedom. We have been given the freedom to choose. But I also want to tell you this morning that another truth to what we're talking about is that if you are living a life by faith and you are pleasing God and you're receiving God's reward and experiencing the power of God in your life, it is by choice. But if you are not experiencing the power of God in your life, if you're not living a life by faith and if you're not pleasing God and receiving his rewards, that too is your choice. But you have a choice whether or not you want to live by faith. 
God is, is sitting and waiting and to show himself strong in those who will put their faith and their trust in him. He wants to be present in our lives. But the fact of the matter is, is that it is truly our choice. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, it tells us this. It says, Therefore, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing. Now, Paul is describing the fact that he is striving for this end. He was wanting to be pleasing to God. It is something that he, um, that he um, purposefully sets out to pursue is to please God. He says, we make it our aim to do so. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, it says, strive to show yourself approved. Strive to be pleasing to God. And that's only found in rightly dividing the word of God, opening up the word of God, reading it, and properly applying it through obedience. Do you want to please God? We have a choice. Now, I believe if we truly do have a choice, one, I believe that we need to be informed of those choices. I want to know what the choices are that I can make. And secondly, in order for me to make an educated decision, I want to be informed about the results of those decisions. Don't you think that's important? To know what, the, to know what my choices are, but also... In order for me to choose wisely, I want to see the results of those choices. You know, something that really kind of gets on my nerves, I'm going to get on the, I'm going to chase this rabbit for a second. Whenever I hear parents saying, you know, I'm just going to let my children choose whatever is good for them. They won't bring their children to church. They won't read them the Bible in, the, in, the, in their homes. They say, well, I just want my kids to choose and what's right for them. I think that's one of the most foolish things that you can do with your children. They need to have an idea about the things for which they have in front of them to choose. We need to give them an educated decision. You would not allow them to make any other decision based on their assumptions. You want them to make good, educated decisions based on the facts of what they are, not the assumptions. And you can't make, you can't make a good decision without first being educated on what the results of those decisions are. Now, I, I had a time in my life, I guess around 20-something years ago, 20 or so, probably a little bit more than 20. Back in 2000, no, not even 2000, excuse me. Um, December 23rd, 1996, I made a decision that I don't believe that I had all the choices laid in front of me. I don't believe that I was properly informed of the results of the decisions that I made. I don't regret the decision, but however, it's whenever I signed up to the Louisiana Army National Guard. How many of you signed up for the military and weren't informed of all the choices that you had? Okay, some of you have an understanding. The recruiter called me up and says, hey, do you want to go to college? I said, yes, I do. He goes, how are you going to pay for college? I said, I have no idea. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, you know, we'll send you to school for free. You know, just sign on the dotted line. I said, okay, great. Well, what, what do you want me to do? He says, well, you got these three. You can be a tanker. They kind of drive around in a tank. You know, it's cold. It's cold. It's hard. It's hot. It's, you know, you kind of shoot stuff. And you, have, you can be a mechanic. I was like, well, no, that's not fun. And then he said, or you can be a calf scout. So what's a calf scout? Oh, man, it's awesome. You get to drive around in Humvees. You get to shoot the big guns. He said, man, come on out. Let me show you what a Humvee is like. So he gets me in there. He sits me in there. Crank it up. He pull it forward. He's like, man, this is, this is cool. He goes, he goes, hop up in that turret right there real quick. I said, okay. So I'll jump in there. He says, now just think and imagine, you know, you have a 50-cal machine gun on there, and you're just, like, really unloading it with it. It's like, man, that's cool. And he went into the supply closet, and he showed me all the guns that I would have at access whenever we would be training. I mean, the machine guns, the M16s, the saw, the M60s, the Mark 19s, the hand grenades, the rocket launchers, all of those things. That was really cool. I was, I was informed, but I wasn't really completely informed. So I said, yes, yeah, sign me up. I'm there. And so, yes, I did get to 
shoot all the guns and have fun with all of that. That's why I can't hear very well today. But however, I wasn't fully informed of the fact that I'm going to be sleeping in the dirt, under trucks, eating food in the rain, snow, or um, you know, not having any, any of the, the things that you would like to have, which was okay. I mean, I did it, and I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed my time as a Cav Scout. But it wasn't until six years later when they were wanting me to re-enlist after I had served my time, and I found out that there was another choice. And many of you know, I, at that point, I transferred to the Army Band. <laughs> Much nicer choice. The results of that choice were really, really nice. I went from sleeping in the dirt to sleeping in five-star hotels and from eating MREs to eating catered meals and hanging out with the General of the Louisiana Army National Guard because he loved the band. So no, I wasn't completely revealed. All the choices weren't completely revealed to me and nor were the results of the choices that I had to make were actually completely informed. In order to make the best choices that we possibly can, I do believe that we need to be informed of what choices we have as well as the results of the choices that we make. And I believe that God has done that when it comes to pleasing him. I believe that God has done that when it comes to experiencing his power in our lives and his working hand in our lives. And I believe that God has done that whenever he instructs us into living a life by faith. Now we're going to jump to Deuteronomy chapter 30. You know, at this point, in this time, they have served their sentence out in the wilderness from not going and taking the land whenever God had told them to. And Noah, or not Noah, but Moses is about to come to the point where he is going to die and he is in charge, he's, put, and he's going to put um, Joshua in charge to lead them over into the promised land. But in doing so, God has laid down the law. He has laid down instruction for them and how they are supposed to behave and what they are supposed to do once they go and they take that land. He has given them proper instruction whenever it comes to the, um, the choices that they have to make. Now, the first thing I want us to see whenever it comes to that, when it comes to living a life that's pleasing to God, a living a life that's by faith, that receives God's rewards and it inherits the, the very power of God in our lives, it comes down to a choice. But have we been informed of those choices? I submit to you this morning that, yes, we have been Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. Is that we have been informed of the choice. So if you would be with, uh, read with me along in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11. It says, for this commandment which I command to you today is not too mysterious for you. Nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you would say, who will go over the sea for us to bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good and death and evil. What has he set before them? A choice, right? I have set before you today life and good and death and evil. See, I set before you this today. Now, I want you to understand as we've gone through the last several weeks, 
When it comes to experiencing the power of God in our lives, basically seeing the hand of God work in and through our lives, it is rooted in what? Obedience. Living a life by faith is rooted in what? Obedience. Choosing life and good or death and evil is a matter of choice, but choosing to do what? Be obedient. As we continue to read in verse 16, let's just go ahead and hit 15 again. It says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. If you want to choose life and good, he's saying it is, it is rooted in the fact that you will be obedient to the commands of God, you will walk in his ways, and you will keep his commandments. Basically, be, just do what we are instructed to do through God's word. It's the obedience. So if you want life and good, then do what God says. It's rooted in disobedience or obedience. Now, God's commands to us, I want you to understand, are crystal clear. When God speaks, it's crystal clear, and it is also easily accessed. Let's back up to verse 11. Now, what, is, what does it say here? It says, for this command which I command you today is not too mysterious for you. I believe that God, whenever he reveals his word, he makes it very plain. It's not confusing because we understand the author of confusion is not God, but it is Satan himself. And when God speaks to our hearts, whenever we read and look at the word of God, it is very plain to us. It is something that's not a mystery. God wants you to know what his word says, even more so than you want to know it. Rest assured in that. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to be victorious, and he wants to be a part of it. So it's not mysterious for us. It's not something that is impossible for us to know. Now, there is a claim out there, well, nobody can really know what God has said. But do we truly believe that? Not according to what his word says. We understand that the word of God is his revealed word to us. And it's not impossible to grasp. In verse 12 it says, It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it? God has not reserved it for himself in heaven. Nor is it a place that's impossible for us to reach. But it is easily accessible. It's not over on the other side of the sea where it's difficult to go find. But the word of God and the moral law of God is available to us. And he says in verse 14, it says, It is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart. Do you think that the, that the law of God is easily accessed? Do you think you have to have the Bible to know what right and wrong is? I want to show you how easy it is. Is God a just God? Is he fair in his judgments? Did the generation of Noah have a Bible? No. No, they didn't. You can rest assured that the people and the men of God from Adam on up to that point did share about the experiences and what happened in the Garden of Eden. It is not a good thing to go against God. But listen to what 2 Corinthians, excuse me, what Romans chapter 2 and verse 14 says. is for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. 
I believe that the law, that the law of God is written on the hearts of all people. We, base, we know basic right and wrong. I want you to understand a lot of the decisions that we make, a lot of the choices that we make, when we willfully are disobedient to God, we know what we should and what we shouldn't do. It's just simply plain to us. It's not a mystery. It's not in heaven. It's not on the other side of the sea that we have to, that we have to go through some strenuous work to actually find out what God wants in a certain situation. Now, I'm not saying that everything is automatically known. There are some things that are more difficult and requires more study. But the will of God for you, just as he's specifically speaking to the children of Israel here, he says, look, I have made it plain. And if you'll take the time to read through the first five chapters of the Bible, you can see it's pretty plain about what God is expecting of the children of Israel. Whenever we read the word of God for ourselves and apply it to our, our own lives, we can see that it is easily accessible and it's pretty easy to understand what our place is and what we are to be doing. But have we been informed of the choice that we have? Yes, life and good, death and evil. Almost missed my spot. There we go. Now I want you to understand another thing as well. When it comes to the ease of knowing God's commands, when it comes to understanding that it's not a mystery to us and that it's actually easily accessible to us, I'm not speaking to the ease of actually obeying them. Sometimes following, the, following Jesus Christ in the, in the generation in which we live is difficult. You know, dying to yourself is something that's very hard for a lot of us to do, to make a decision where well, I'm going to do what God says rather than follow the desires of my heart. Being obedient is sometimes difficult. Being obedient will cause us a sacrifice. Being obedient will cause us to put ourselves second and putting Jesus Christ on the throne and following what he says to do. Obeying his commands sometimes is in conflict with my flesh. But however, I'm not talking about the ease of it, but how easy is it to find? How accessible is the command? How easy is it for us to understand what we are called to do and what we should be doing? The choice of life and good versus death and evil is really rooted in whether we're going to be obedient to God or be disobedient to him. The choice is truly up to us. And also we are called to continually refresh our minds about the commands of God. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse, verse 6, it says, And these things which I command to you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk to them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be in the frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on your doorposts and on your house and on your gates. In Romans chapter 2, it echoes this. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and pleasing and perfect will of God. It's easily accessible, but we just need to make sure that we continually remind ourselves and refresh our minds as to what they are and what we should be doing. So I believe that we've truly been faced with a choice here. When it comes to living your life by faith, when it comes to pleasing God, I believe that the choices are laid in two different choices, either obedience or disobedience, life and good or death and evil. The choice is truly up to us. Now, have we been fully informed about the results of the choices of disobedience versus obedience? 
Well, if you just take a, a brief look here in, in the scripture in which, which we find ourselves. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 16, it says, In that I command you today, love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. Okay, what is the result of that? Well, let's continue reading. That you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. If they want God's blessing in that land where they have to go possess, what, are they, what is required? To be obedient to his commands. Secondly, as we keep going forward, it says, But if your heart turns away that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. Are the choices clear? Life and good, death and evil. And how you get to life and good is simply walk in his ways. And how you approach evil is you are just simply disobedient. You go your own way. You worship other gods. But even further, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it's in two different sections. Verses 1 through 14, you have the blessings that God wants to pour out on the children of Israel. It's just blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. And how God really wants to show himself to be strong. These are blessings of prosperity. These are blessings of the, um, of the provision of their needs to make sure that they will be able to survive. It is a promise of protection from their enemies and victory over their enemies. But what is it rooted in? Well, if we look at verse 1, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command to you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Now, God has promised to do what? To set them high, to make them an international powerhouse of God's blessings, full of God's blessings and protection and provision for the children of Israel. But what does it require? Obedience. It says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey. Now, could the children of Israel expect all of these blessings from God if they chose not to obey? No. Because God has given them a promise, and he's given them a condition to meet, right? And by faith, if they want to please God, they need to meet the condition in order to claim the promise that is there. They have a lot of hope that is being promised to them there. And the substance of that hope needs to be the fact that they are obedient to all these things that God has instructed them to do once they get over into the promised land. But they have, no doubt, the choice. So, yeah, so, so the blessings can come. So, yes, I want blessings. I want life and good. and I want the blessings of God as opposed to the death, evil, and the curses of God. So if we get blessed whenever we have obedience, what is it whenever we exercise disobedience curse right blessings and curses blessings and curses but have we been informed about that result have we been, been informed about the result of the choice of disobedience 
Well, we have, we've, been, we've been informed about the result of the choice of obedience, which we see God's blessings. And also something else I want you to see is starting in verse 15 all the way through verse 68, God describes the curses that will fall upon the children of Israel if they choose to disobey. And look how it opens the scripture or opens up this portion of the chapter in verse 15. It says, but it shall, it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commands and his statutes, which I command you today, that all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. I want you to understand, if you, last week we understood and we saw that, that Noah, he moved with a godly fear and he built the ark. He moved with a godly fear. He understood what it was going to, what it was going to mean for him to fall into the hands of an angry God. He understood that the judgment of God was real. And he moved with a godly fear, believing that the judgment was truly coming, and he prepared the ark. I believe that's a big thing that we have missing in our culture is a godly fear. Understanding that God is an all-powerful, righteous, and holy judge who will judge the world in righteousness. We need to be moving with a godly fear. And if you don't have a godly fear, if you need to cultivate a godly fear, I would encourage you. I would dare you to read verses 15 through 68. It is a scary thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. But, no, but there's no question about it. The children of Israel, not only have they been informed of the choice that they have, they can choose life and good, or they can choose evil and death. They can make the choice for themselves. They've also been given the information of the, of the uh, results of each one of those choices. If you choose to be obedient, then the blessings will come. If you choose to be disobedient, then the curses will come upon you. When we are obedient to God, it is a willful choice that brings prosperity, provision of needs, and protection from our enemies. And disobedience, I want you to understand too, the disobedience is a willful stepping out from under the umbrella of God's blessings. It is a willful step away from God. When you step out in disobedience, you step out on your own. When you step out in disobedience, you step out alone to provide and to protect yourself and your needs. When you step out in disobedience from God, you are left alone to your consequences, to, the, to your own choices. But do we have a choice? Absolutely. You know, there's a phrase, well, everything just happens for a reason. Everything just happens for a reason, yes, but sometimes that reason is that we've done something foolish and we've acted in disobedience and we've made a bad choice. Yes, everything happens for a reason. So the question before us this morning is, have we truly been informed of the choices that we have? Yes, life, good, and blessings, and death, evil, and curses. The choices are actually laid before us. As we prepare for our invitation, I really want us to really kind of focus on the fact that we truly have had it laid down before us. In verse 19, it says this. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses to you, against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. It has been set before you, children of Israel, these are the choices that you have to make. Not only are we informing you of what you can get, but we are also informing you of what will happen when you make the choice. It has been laid before you. I also want you to understand something here. 
No one can simply choose life, good, and blessing. You can't just choose that. Okay, no one can simply choose death and evil and curses. You can't choose to have that. The only thing that you have the ability to do and to choose is to choose the path that will lead to one or the other, which is what? Obedience or disobedience. You have that choice. You have the choice to do that or not. When it, simply, when it comes down to us choosing to be obedient or disobedient, whether it's in our salvation or whether it's in our service, when it comes to salvation, we are faced with a decision. We are faced with a choice. We can either choose Christ or we can reject him. If you do not choose Christ, then you automatically default and you choose to reject him. But however, the choice has been laid at your feet. When it comes to service as a child of God, as we are instructed in, in a time in which we live where judgment is going to come one day, we have a choice to be obedient to the word of God and, follow, and carry out the instruction for the world in which we live, the great commission to a lost and dying world, or we can choose to do nothing at all. We can choose to go completely against it, but even if we choose to do nothing, we're still making a choice. But we have made, we have to make a choice. When it comes, to, it comes to him, and again, in verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today as a witness against you, that there is no excuse that I have set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he has appealed as he continues in this verse, therefore choose life. The appeal is to choose life, choose rightly, choose the blessings, choose the rewards, choose the power of God in your life. But the only way you can choose those is to choose to be obedient to God. He appealed to them, choose life. Choose to love the Lord your God, obey him, and commit yourself to him, for God is life. But we have to make the choice. So we can go back to the questions that we've been asking. Do you really want to please God? Do you really want to please God? Do you really want to experience the power of God in your life? Well, if you want to please God, we understand that it requires faith. And if you want to live a life by faith, it requires obedience. And obedience is boiled down to a choice whether you're going to be obedient or disobedient. And this morning, as we can see, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that you have set, we have set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. And I implore you, to choose to please God and be obedient. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Father, again, we just want to thank you so much, Father, that we have access to your word, that we have access to your instruction, Father. Father, so, I'm so thankful that you have spoken clearly to us. Father, so we thank you so much for the word of God that we can open and allow you to speak to our hearts. And Father, I truly believe that this morning that a life that is pleasing to you, a life that is obedient, a life that, bring, that is faithful, is simply just believing you, is taking the word of God as it is and believing you and being obedient. And Father, I pray that there's someone here who needs to make a decision, whether that be salvation, where they make the choice as you are calling on their heart to trust in Jesus, I pray that Satan will be removed 
And Father, I pray that they will receive you. And Father, I want to pray for all the children of God, my fellow brothers and sisters here today. Father, whether they've made choices in the past for which they need to repent. And Father, I pray for those who are looking at choices now that maybe, maybe even be confused. May they rest in the fact that you are God. And the truth is not mysterious. But Father, that you speak plainly. And Father, this morning, all of us are faced with a choice. Father, I pray that each and every one of us now makes a decision to choose to be obedient to you because that is what pleases you. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.